Welcome to the NewTubers Podcast, the premier small YouTuber community, helping up-and-coming channels improve through critiques, feedback, and cooperation. We teach you how to start, build, and sustain your YouTube career. Now, without further ado, let's begin the show! Hello, NewTubers! Today, I'm here with another episode of our YouTuber interview series, and this time, I'm joined by my co-host, James from Stuff We Play. Go ahead and say hi, James. Oh, hey, all. And today, our special guest is a YouTuber um, nearing 50,000 subscribers. By the time this goes up, I think he'll be at that 50,000 subscriber milestone, so I want to be the first to congratulate Game Dave. Oh, thank you. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, you never know with YouTube. So, how's it going? Pretty well, pretty well. How are you boys doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm doing pretty good. So, um, the reason I brought you here is uh, twofold, actually. First off, James was the first person to introduce me to your channel. Um, and second off, I think you're one of the highest production quality like channels I've seen on YouTube, especially for your subscriber count. Like, uh, We'll dive into this more later, but I was really impressed that like you should have way more subscribers than you do. And I, everyone says that. Um, yeah, you sound like my comment <laughs> yeah, section. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, everyone says that when they see a channel where they're like, "Wow, this is really good." You know, why, why don't why aren't you bigger? But yeah. like, I this see that was... more and more. It's like the the higher the production value, it seems like there's less less growth. Yeah, it's I've, there's mm -hmm. there's a thing I've noticed with that. Like, the more work you put in, the less the less it works out for you, and then you just <laughs> crap out a video, and you get six thousand subscribers from it or whatever. Yeah, sometimes. Um, so let, let's dive into your, your main content first. So you're sort of like a game review on camera channel, um, but you can pitch it a lot better than I can. So go ahead and explain to us. Yeah, this is an interest. It's, a, it's always a tough thing to answer because, you know, on the, on the forefront, you would say, oh, it's a gaming channel. But if I were to really break it down, I'd probably say that I'm just, I, I'm an entertainer on the internet that happens to focus on games. Um, now, I'd be fine with kind of talking about other things and doing other shows, but gaming is something that's really important to me, and that is kind of where YouTube started, where it was, you know, you talking about what was important to you. Right. And, yeah. you know, eventually I realized, you know, why I should just be talking about video games because it's such a huge hobby for me. It's always been a part of my life, and combining that with, you know, I like... Um, performing and entertaining and doing things like that. So kind of combining that with gaming sort of created Game Dave. And I, I would say it's it's there's reviews, there's talk shows, there's weird gaming-influenced uh, storylines, skits, and series. So it's kind of all over the place. But yeah, at its core, it's definitely part of the gaming community. Awesome, awesome. Now, I know you've mentioned, we'll dive right into this, that this wasn't actually your first channel. Mm, so no, it was not that that's a trend that I always like to point out with um, with these interviews is that no matter what, pretty much everybody had a channel before their main channel. And that's true for a lot of new tubers as well, where they they make a channel and it doesn't work out. And then the one they really want to do, they finally get started and either that works out or it takes a little while to get there, obviously. Um, so tell us a little bit about your first channel. So I recall being at college. And I was, I think I was still a freshman. I think I was a second semester freshman. And a friend of mine showed me this YouTube thing. And I mean, this is early. So this was like 06. And yeah. 
you know, not a lot of people were talking about YouTube. People weren't really surfing YouTube. I think it was still, it was almost at that point where YouTube was like a, a landing page and you would just, if you uploaded a video, it would just pop up on the front page and then eventually it would scroll over to the next video. So I mean, we're talking YouTube dark ages is what yeah. we're getting into. <laughs> and um, I had this old Lego stop motion film that I made in high school called The Kingdom, and this, you know, my buddy told me about this YouTube thing, so I just made an account, and back then, you didn't think of making a YouTube channel, the thought was, oh, I'm making my YouTube account, so it was no different than making an email, or a, or an AOL instant messenger username, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really thinking, oh, I better get this branding right, I was just making an account, so I used what I used all the time at the time, was Dave Dick Dole, which sounds bad, but isn't. Uh, for those of you who know, I am a big fan of Suikoden, my favorite game series. And in that game, so this, we're getting deep. You asked me a very deep lore <laughs> question. So uh, we'll see you in an hour. But uh, So that username came from the way that you would name your characters in the game. So in the first game, you can name the hero. I always name the hero Dave, because that's my name. And then in the second game you could import the data from the first game and any returning characters would have like additional uh, stats and abilities and items might stay on their character that were in the old game. And the original hero from the first game could be found in the second game if you loaded your data. And it would transfer the name you used to that character. But there was an error in the coding and this glitch was never fixed so it wouldn't replace the entire name. It would take the character's last name, which was McDole, and replace the first letter, which was capitalized, <laughs> with that letter. I named the character Dave. Therefore, when I found it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's the hero from the first Suikoden game. Dick Dole. <laughs> okay, okay. So it sort of became this joke. So my username ended up being Dave Dick Dole everywhere I went and uh so what a what a great start for my YouTube uh channel <laughs> branding. So I uploaded this stop motion video and I didn't really think anything of it. It wasn't about views or whatever. I was like, oh I can post my video on the internet. Oh that's kind of cool. And then I just sort of forgot about it and then in the future I revisited it and I started doing some other videos and I was sort of that classic old school YouTuber case where I was just uploading videos to share with my friends at college and because I went to college down south for a year and I live in Delaware. So I was posting these videos on the YouTube uh, account so the people down south could see them. And then other people started watching them that weren't my friends. And that's when I started to realize, oh, this is building an audience. Now what? So that's that's sort of where I got started. Okay. Okay. So around what time would you say you sort of abandoned that project? So I did that channel for like seven years. Okay. And wow. I think I reached about fourteen to 1,500 subscribers at its peak, which is not very impressive for seven years. <laughs> but I, it was that classic issue of it was a, a random variety channels. And variety channels, it's very difficult if you don't hone in on something to find a community. 
So I was doing random skits and comedy short films and action things and stop motion animations. I did a a 48 minute Lego Batman stop motion animation. Wow. When the when the very first Lego Batman uh, Lego sets came out, you know, it wasn't really the stop motion Lego thing hadn't really blown up yet on YouTube because there was an era where that was major. Yeah. You know, there wasn't the Lego games weren't really as as I mean, they were there, but there weren't Lego movies like there are now. And uh, so I put that out and it was shortly before the whole copyright thing started to happen. And of course, I had to use the Danny Elfman score. Because it's, it's any Batman without Danny Elfman's music. Not thinking down the road that would become an issue. And then that was the era where YouTube, they wouldn't flag it and take all the money. They would mute the audio of the entire video. That's what they oh, used to do. Yeah. So I had this stop motion animation that was completely muted. So I ended up taking it down. and So I, I was all over the place. So it was hard to build a community. And then in 2013, I had kind of stopped making videos for a while and... You know, I'd always been into gaming. I'd even talked about gaming on the old channel. I even did Game Dave videos on that old channel as like a test because I was like, I wonder if I could just do a show about these games I have. And I did a couple of videos and I was like, this is kind of neat. I should just do a whole series like this. And you know what? Let me just start fresh and finally focus on something. And that's yeah. where Game Dave happened in 2013. Awesome, wow. awesome. So would you say you officially started Game Dave around then, or was there a little bit of like a gap between them? Man, we're digging up so many secrets here today, <laughs> my friends. Uh, so when I first started Game Dave in 2013, it was not what it is now. I did a series called Next Game Dave, which is currently not available for watch anywhere and it was this sort of i guess it was kind of a mystery science theater-esque sort of show but it was a little more dramatic a little more intense but i was the very first video that was posted on the channel was this trailer and it was it opened up and i was in this dark room with a weird flight suit on and a weird tv in the back wall that was like built into the wall and this voice was talking to me and it was forcing me to play video games, and I didn't know why. And that's how the show started. It was it was a show called Next Game Dave, and it was this series about this guy, Game Dave, that was stuck in this room. And this weird robotic voice kept giving me game challenges to do. And you would sort of reveal, like, am I locked in this room? Who is this voice talking to me? So that's how I started the channel. And then that series led into just sort of a more standard reviews and things like that on the channel. So that's kind of where it started. And it's almost a prequel to the storyline series that I did much later with the talking shelves and everything like that. They actually connect, but I haven't fully given out how they connect. Oh, we got secrets. Yeah, so there you go. I was going to say that that sounded very similar to the idea um, behind your, I I guess we'd call it your main series. Um, And... Walk us through that main series a little bit, because like I said at the start of the video, this was one of the most like one of the highest production quality uh, series I've ever seen on YouTube. Like that that ending on episode 10, I believe it was the final episode. <laughs> yes. Specifically. Yes, finale. Yeah. That had to take you 
at least 24 hours worth of editing. I would be shocked if it took you less. Yeah, that took uh, oh, that took us that took like the summer uh, almost to make. Uh, I had sort of plotted out this 10 episode arc, and uh, I don't even know. Like so many people were involved. I had uh, my buddies who do special effects help me out, and I had uh, one of my buddies who who he's now a, a very good friend of mine, but he started as a fan that had sent me. Uh, if you've seen the Family Corner episode on Doremiko. Oh yeah. Which is the uh the keyboard controller that uh allowed you to do music production on the Famicom. A fan actually reached out and was like, "Hey, I have the Doremiko keyboard. I could send it to you if you want to borrow it to review it." And I was like, "Oh, I would love to get my hands on it. It's an expensive uh thing to get." So he sent it out. I reviewed it. And then just in passing, we were talking and I found out that he uh was into music and he wrote music and I was like, "Oh, I'd love to hear your stuff." I was like, oh, I like this. I'd like to use it in the storyline series. And then we got to talking, and he ended up scoring the last two or three episodes of the storyline series wow. with uh, custom music, which was awesome. Yeah. So I had him, really cool. and he did some 3D animation stuff. And my buddy Noptop, fellow YouTuber, uh, he does DIY filmmaking. He was involved with Indie Mogul back in the day and Backyard Effects. He did a lot of the shooting for the big final uh, fight scene. He was the camera guy. Um, for all of that, and then the big reveal of VR at the end. Uh, it was a major project. It, t- it took a long time. I was still working um, at the time, going through the process, and it, it was insane. So I, I had to kind of take a break from it. It's not over, but it's it's going to be a while before I can get the resources together to continue that story. Yeah. Um, and for anyone who hasn't watched, I don't want to you know spoil any of the plot or anything because I I genuinely think uh, if you're in this sort of like you know gaming genre, give these episodes a watch. Um, I genuinely think they're some of the best stuff on YouTube. But the ending is just it, there's so much. Uh, I don't want to call it like you know CG editing, but pretty kind of pretty much CG yeah. editing with like you have like the the flying was it a bat? I forget. <laughs> The frog bird. The frog bird. The frog it's bird. A, that's, yeah. It's a yeah, fro, frogbird. The frog bird, yes, from uh, Jackie Chan's action kung fu. That's when I, right. Yep. When I first played that game, I was like, this is the most ridiculous boss ever. This, I've got to fight this thing. I've got to fight this thing in real life. <laughs> yeah, and so essentially it's like a one to two minute just video of him, like different shots uh, different perspectives of the frog bird in like 3D fighting Dave. And oh my God, it is, I was blown away, like quite literally blown away by it. I was just, wow. Yeah, it was so, a lot of lot of late nights on Skype uh, doing screen shares with uh, another friend of mine, Ryan. Ryan of Ryan's Video Game Corner, another YouTube guy. He, he doesn't really do YouTube stuff, but he works in video production, very talented a close friend and he he would just he would just tough it out and be like all right can you make me stand in front of the frog for this shot and he's like oh i'm gonna have to cut you out oh god (laughs) so he it was also like i do some of the effects but he he really helped me bring it together uh for that that final fight scene with the frog and then actually the sprite if you play the game there's really only one angle of the frog bird sprite so i had this issue of how can i 
create because I'm not an artist by any means like I don't have the the design skills that you would need to figure out what it would look like from the front or what it might look like from below or at a quarter angle yeah Mm -hmm. so I reached out to Adam from it's a dog and game if you uh, know him better known as dog he's been recently uh, working a lot with Shane Lewis from Rerez Uh, he does a lot of work with that channel and I reached out to him because I know he did a lot of pixel art on his show and he was nice enough to put together some angles for me and create the sprites and send those over so that I could manipulate those along with my buddy Ryan Stout to create the insanity that was that fight scene. Yeah, the, the most editing and and hours spent on that episode were that you know, the crazy fight scene. Yeah. So out of curiosity about the video, because between Ryan and Adam, I, I think... I, I'm not going to spoil things, but I think, you know, Clint from LGR made kind of a cameo in there. Yes, yes. Yeah. I even had... Nobody saw that coming either. It was, it was totally uh, under wraps. I reached out to Clint and uh, sem- somewhat through mutual friends, he had heard of my channel um, and he was nice enough to to lay down some lines for sort of the ending reveal. And fingers crossed... If the series continues, he will uh, reprise his role, assuming he's not up to his eyeballs in box PC games and work for his own channel. Because he <laughs> he is one of the hardest working dudes on the internet. Let me tell oh you. Oh my gosh, I, I'm I'll be honest, and I'm sorry to soft topic, but like when I saw he was having to take that that few week break, I'm surprised he didn't have to just take that beforehand. Oh yeah, I was like, yeah. thank God he's taking a break because he he deserves it. Yeah, yeah, he's a hard working dude. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask is was, was game Dave, like that 10, that 10 episode series, um, was that intended to be a series or a season at first? Because I remember when James sent me some of your stuff and I was watching it and then it ended and I was like, oh man, that was really good. What's next? And then like, it said, like, it was like series finale. Um, I think you changed the title since I could be mistaken. No, I, so it was sort of a, we'll call it, we'll call it a light troll, a very light troll. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I called it the finale because it, it was the finale of that season. Yeah. You would kind of call it a season in a way it's season one. And the next game Dave series is kind of season zero. It's almost like that, that next game Dave series is this sort of prelude to that storyline that yeah. is mm-hmm. on the channel. And the idea is that the next season would sort of explore what was revealed at the end of that series. And I knew to do it the way I want to do it, which is crazy, because I'm crazy, it's going <laughs> to take time to get the, the group of people together and the resources to do it in a way that I'd be happy with. Because could I easily just plop myself back down and, and just keep reviewing games and talk to a shelf? Yes, but I want it to continue to expand and tell because I've actually sort of developed and, and written out this world. I've sort of built this world already that exists within that series. And I want to start telling the story of that world that sort of progresses why why the shelves are talking to me, why I was chosen for this weird sort of mission and and start bringing in other actors and things to, to tell that story. It, it would be pretty intense um, I have some ideas for a light season two that would involve a lot of green screen work. 
So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe I've kind of put it in my head that if the channel gets big enough and I have uh, sort of the support and resources to pull it off that I would just take an entire summer and just put that into this next season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought, so we'll cut this part out. Um, so I guess going off of that, you know, get the main game Dave series, which is by the way, one, I said one of the best produced things on YouTube. We've said it countless times before, but you've also had a you're few, make, you're making a girl blush, <laughs> but you've also had some really great secondary series. The main one that comes to mind is Famicorner. Uh, is it like, would you say that's a secondary series of that or more like, like how, how would you describe, describe Famicorner and what kind of inspired that? Uh, so I've always been really interested in, you know, Japanese culture and import gaming. It kind of goes all the way back to the early days. I, I'll tell you, when it comes to internet websites, I've always been a weird early adopter. And just like with YouTube, um, with eBay, when eBay started coming around, uh, I think I made my eBay account in 2000. Wow. Wow. So that's, that's early. Yeah. That's some early eBay. It was actually so early that I legally could not have a PayPal account. And my parents do not know anything about technology. <laughs> and they certainly didn't know anything about it back when I lived with them. So I kind of, you know, fudged the numbers. Don't come after me, PayPal, about my age <laughs> so that I could use eBay. And one of the first things I was looking into was the missing Final Fantasy games. Because as you guys know... For us in America, North America, it went Final Fantasy 1, then we jumped to Final Fantasy 2 and 3 on the Super Nintendo, and then it went 7. I was like, wait, <laughs> hold on, what is happening? Because I didn't read very many gaming magazines back then. So I was, I didn't know that there was this, th these games that were missing until uh, sort of Anthology on PlayStation 1 came out and found out that, oh, 2 and 3 are not two and three. They're technically four and six. And then I'm like, well, where's five? So now we get, we're missing two and three. We're missing five. So I sort of went on this weird journey of finding three. And, you know, we did eventually get three here on the DS with the sort of 3D remake. But that's like, I don't think we've ever gotten a, an actual release of the original Famicom title for three. Because uh, Origins came out. That only had one and two. So I imported Final Fantasy 2 and 3 on the Famicom. That was one of the first things that I imported. You know, no way I could play them because I don't speak Japanese. So it was just, I'm just fumbling through some some Japanese kid's game save <laughs> where he's like got maxed out levels and everything. I'm like, this is so cool. But I, I couldn't really play it aside yeah. from the, the mm -hmm. translations that we eventually did get when they ported the games to the PlayStation. And then, you know, we've since gotten so many ports of four, five, and six. Five actually ended up being one of my favorite Final Fantasy games of the old school era, and it's one that I never could have played until we got Anthology on the PlayStation 1. So that was sort of the first thing I imported, and I've always had it in the back of my mind that I, there's got to be other games we didn't get, and of course everyone knows the Famicom now, and I was like, I, I want to focus completely on the Famicom and just look at Famicom games, and because the NES, let's be honest, the NES was like the the stomping grounds for most of what is retro gaming on YouTube. A lot mm -hmm. of people 
focused on the NES to the point where it's almost cliche to do an NES review. In my mind is the Famicom is it's the Japanese NES. It doesn't feel cliche, but it is the same era of gaming. I want to go through and, and look and explore some of these games that we didn't get that are really weird because Japan and also awesome because there's a lot of great ones. And there's definitely some stinkers out there as well, but that, that's sort of where the Family Corner series happened. I was at Too Many Games several years back with Corey and Try from My Life in Gaming. And Try and I were walking the floor and you know I was looking at imports and I was trying to come up with a show uh, around import gaming and I told him, I was like, I think I want to focus on the Famicom. And he's like, yeah, you should just do it. I mean, if, for those of you who know Try, that's, he's, he's a Southern Belle. And he's like, just... <laughs> He's like, you should go for it. Do it. And I'm like, yeah, it'd be like, maybe I'll shoot it in the corner and I'll call it the import corner. haha. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, I'll just call it Fami Corner because it's about Famicom. And Tri's like, do it. You got to do it. So I got back <laughs> home and I started planning out the first couple episodes. And here we are. Fami yeah. Corner lives. That's that's awesome. Um, two quick questions. Uh, well, one quick one, maybe not so quick. Um, first question was, um, do you ever have any plans for a super Fami Corner? That one just popped into my head. Oh, yeah, I do get asked that a lot, and I do have quite an array of Super Famicom games that are super awesome that don't get talked about. Awesome. Yes. Nice. Uh, I actually, Ryan Stout, my uh, my effects boy, he he and I talked a little bit about a Super Fami Corner intro. He actually made a test intro for that eventual series. It's just that weird thing of, I don't want to forget about the Famicom because there's so many games that I still yeah. haven't gotten a chance to talk about. So I've always put it in my mind, like, maybe when I get to 25 episodes, then I'll do some Super Fami Corners and kind of jump back and forth between the two series. But yeah. it is absolutely on my mind and something I will do one day. Cool, cool. And my second question kind of goes back to uh, how I had felt when I finished watching season one of Game Dave proper. Um when I finished, I was like, okay, so is that it? And then I sort of went through your channel and browsed. And at the time, I don't know what it was, but I think I missed the Family Corner stuff. And you had a series on PSVR stuff. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it looks like it's a bit dormant at the time of this recording. I don't know if you're planning on bringing it back or anything. But I, yeah, um, how, how did that work out for you? Because I know, like, I, I have a PSVR. I'm a PSVR owner, mm -hmm. uh, enthusiast. And I was like, Oh, VR, that's that's a risky one to go for. Like that was my first response cuz I have a few friends who have done VR content and it's just it's a hard niche to get into cuz there's not much of a niche there for videos. Absolutely. And I'll tell you uh, another good friend of the channel, old Jonathan Millennium, uh, happy console gamer. Uh, we talk all the time and I told him I was like, "Dude, I want to I love this freaking PSVR. I I'm obsessed with VR. I Anytime I have a chance to play it, that's what I want to play in my free time. And he warned me, he's like, you know, if you're going to do anything on VR, just keep in mind, you'll be getting some low view counts because just for some reason, VR is just not content that people are looking for unless it is like a dedicated, everyday VR news sort of focused channel. It's very difficult to get an audience on board if that's not the main thing you do. And he, he was, I would say he was right to an extent. But I, I told him, I was like, I'm, this is, I'm doing it because I want to talk about these games because it's just so, 
I want people to experience it, and PSVR seems to be the best starting point for people who want to get into yeah. virtual mm-hmm. reality. I, I did yeah. pick up a Vive. I have a Vive system, and I've still not hooked it up and set it up because <laughs> the PSVR is just the ease of just hopping right into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, and you try to explain it to people, and they're like, oh, yeah, they just think it's a screen on your head, and it's not a screen on your head. Yeah. Once you get in there, everything just washes away. You suspend disbelief. It doesn't matter what the graphics look like because after five or ten minutes, you your mind puts you there. And it's like, I am, I'm in this freaking game right now. What, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. No, and it's, it's such a unique gaming experience, and it's what I've always dreamt of from the days of the virtual boys disappointment and me thinking that's what that was going to be. It's just, it's crazy. And I would love to do more content uh, with my new schedule that I sort of did this summer where I'm, you know, putting out two videos a week and streaming twice a week. And it's very difficult because I knew I wanted to show the gameplay, but I also wanted to show me and the gameplay. So there was a lot of footage that went into putting the, the PSVR reviews together. I'm not done with VR. It's just finding the time to get back in there. And there's so many games yeah. that mm-hmm. are available. People think that there's not a lot of stuff, but there are so many good VR titles. Like I probably have 120 PSVR games on my PS4 Whoa. right now. And because anytime there's a, D, a sale on PSN, the VR games get like crazy slashed oh, in yeah. price. So I'm like, oh, I just gobble them up. And I'm yeah. like, oh, this looks crappy. Better buy it. So I just get everything. <laughs> and it's, you know, and even even the crappy, like, $2 experiences on PSVR are still worth it. So yeah. it, it's it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I haven't completely abandoned it. I Let's just call it a, a break. Let's call it a yeah, break. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and I was even going to say, like, I'm the same way with buying VR games. It's kind of a problem because I haven't hooked mine up in a few months. Mm-hmm. So I just have all these games sitting there, but... I'll get through those one day. Uh, I, I think my theory with VR content, and I've talked about this a lot with a few buddies. Uh, my theory is that VR owners don't really care to check it out because they'll just buy the games because they already have a VR. So they're enthusiasts like you or I. Yep. Um, and then the general audience sees what looks to be like a crappy PS3 game. Yeah, they and, don't get it. They don't get yeah, it. Yeah, it's you can't get it on a flat screen. And until YouTube finds a way to record, or I mean, until you can even record something in VR, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, play it on a VR system, not just, you know, wrapped slightly. Right. There's just, there's no way to adequately show it off other than to, to put it on and try it yourself. And it's not really conducive to YouTube. Yeah, I 100% um, agree, and, I, and I've and i seen the people who did enjoy uh, the PSVR videos that I did, some of them were people who don't own PSVR, but they're people who have tried VR, and those people who get it yeah, love the videos, because like, oh no, I know what he's experiencing, this is fun to see. Uh, and there are some people that have reached out to me and said, you got me to buy a PSVR, because there have been some really good bundle sales recently. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and it now's. I mean, it's definitely the time to to jump in. And there's been announcements that there might be a 2.0 PSVR set down the road. Maybe some new Move controllers. So there's, there's. Yeah. It's not dead. It's it's not dead yet. Well, and PSVR is the most successful by far in terms of overall sales. I mean, I think they're crossing over two million sales. Yeah, that you install know, base is. It's that's crazy. essentially that's half the Wii U, pretty much. So. <laughs> oh. 
I, I love my Wii U, but <laughs> same, same. Yeah. Oh, oh, so sad though. But um, anyway, uh, with that question out of the way, I wanted to jump back a little bit because you mentioned that that one editing process again of that final episode uh, took almost the whole summer, and you've mentioned summer a few times. So um, tell us about like your your day job outside of YouTube. Yeah, so when I announced the summer schedule at uh, the 1st of June, because uh, I was like, you know what, this summer I'm going crazy, I'm going all in, and everybody's like, he must be a teacher. I feel like he's a teacher, because he's ramping it up in the summer, and that's exactly right. So I am a teacher uh, by trade, that's how I make money to eat, so that I have the energy to play PSVR. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I mean, I love teaching. But I also hate teaching because it is a, it is one of the hardest jobs I've ever had, and uh, I worked at Wawa, so I know what a hard job is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's it's tough. I would love to do this stuff full time. It's obviously my passion: entertaining people, putting smiles on people's faces, interacting with people, going to conventions and doing panels. I love that stuff. I eat it up, uh, and and teaching, I kind of got into because. I, in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to film school. And it, we've sort of gotten to the point where you don't have to go to film school to get into entertainment anymore. And so I kind of stopped that. My parents were very much of the mindset of, no, you got to get a state job. You got to get a state job after uh, after school. So you need to go to school for a state job. I was like, okay. Yeah. So I thought about teaching. I really had some teachers that influenced me a lot and got me into acting and theater. So I was like, maybe I should teach. It's almost like performing every day for kids <laughs> and it, it is very exhausting but yeah for my day job I teach elementary school and uh it's it's a job <laughs> <laughs> so on that front um and it's funny once once I found out you were a teacher I, I'm pretty sure I found out at too many games this year uh at your panel mm-hmm. um my, my buddy actually spoke to you at the afterwards because he's he's just about like he's in his last semester of, of student teaching and then he's going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he became a fan once he was like, there's a teacher on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was cool. But I, I'm curious like what your workflow is like during the school year, if there is one, because it's, that's gotta be rough. I mean, uh, you know, lesson plans, following whatever the state wants to do, assuming, I don't know how Delaware is brutal. Is. It's yeah, it's brutal's a good term. That's a good term. It's very difficult. I, I'm very efficient with uh, the work that I need to do. I'm not. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I'm not one of those teachers that has to stay at the school till nine o'clock at night. And I totally applaud the teachers that do. Um, I, I'm I'm very good with my time so that I can somewhat leave work at work because it, it's I I don't like that sort of uh, overlay because it makes it very yeah. hard when. You know, as you guys know, YouTube is more than a full-time job. Yeah, it's oh something God. because mentally, even if you're like, "Oh, I got my video posted for the day. I I'm done for the night. I can go to dinner, hang out." It's on your mind twenty. You're always thinking about it, and it's so hard to turn off and not think about. Oh, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll post on Twitter about something. Maybe I'll post an Instagram photo. Maybe I'll. It's so hard to disconnect, which is why, you know, people like Clint have to take breaks because if you don't, you get so consumed with it that you're, you're not really, (laughs) I mean, you're living, but you're not living in the, I hate to say it, but real world. I feel like YouTube is a real world, but at the same time, 
It's a different world. It's almost. a different world. You're yeah. constantly, would you say, digitally distracted? Oh, hey. Oh, got him. <laughs> got him with the slogan. <laughs> I like it. And you can check that out on iTunes shortly. <laughs> Subtle references. I like it. I like the plugs. I'm going to let you shamelessly self-promote me. Then I don't <laughs> that's, have to, that's the way to go. Then I don't have to do it. But yeah, you have to disconnect sometimes. And, and when I'm teaching... I, I still I'll sit there on a break. I'm like, all right, I got a 15 minute break. And let me just let me just see how the views are doing on the video. You, know, you want to check. You're you're always yeah. hooked in, and that's why during the school year I tried my best. I have tried my best to post at least two things a month, and that alone is very difficult because I go to work Monday through Friday. I get home in the afternoon, and you know by the time I've eaten dinner. And maybe set up the camera and set up the lights, and I've got my script written. I'm starting shooting at what eight thirty at night. I got to get up at six thirty in the morning to go back to work. It's very yeah difficult. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, as a teacher, I have those summers, and you know I get out a little bit earlier than a nine to fiver. I don't know. It it's, must be insane for someone who works a nine to five job year round to even pull off a YouTube channel that has any semblance of consistency yeah i mean you said it it's the, on all fronts you said it really I, I know i've gotten in the doghouse once or twice for checking view counts and replying to comments and whatnot so oh yeah um that's that's part of the part of the job yeah unquote, it's yeah you have on job. to be you have to be connected you have to be connected and yet not connected all all the time yeah especially like with youtube and a lot of people feel this way it it's tough because you don't really see the fruits of your labor. You don't see the people laughing at your jokes. You don't see, you know, outside of when you go to conventions, mm -hmm. uh, when you get people come up and say, oh, man, like, I love that thing. You made me laugh so hard. I spit milk out my nose. Uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it makes um, it so concrete. That's why I love, uh, hey, any conventions I haven't been to that are listening, please invite me. <laughs> I love, I love going to conventions because – it it makes it it makes it real you know yeah. it, it it keeps it from being oh these people are just numbers because i hate feeling that way and thinking that way and it's so easy to get caught up in oh this got 6000 views but this got 50000 views must be a better video no not at all not at all it's because those 50000 people might have been lukewarmly entertained but those 6000 people that watched your other video might have been all in, like dead hardcore about how fun that video was. And, and I love hearing from people in person what they liked the best on the channel or, you know, what stood out to them. And uh, Too Many Games was the first convention I've been to since Digitally Distracted launched on the channel. And it was awesome to hear people say how much they loved Digitally Distracted because it was sort of a, you know, it was very different from what I've done. And doing this sort of basically a video cast version of a podcast. I was a little nervous because it's so casual. It's it's completely unscripted. It's off the cuff, and it's it people like it, and it's awesome to to make that concrete with interacting with real people. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad you dove into that because uh, I was actually going to touch on the podcast in a little bit. Um, but first, I had two other short questions. Sure. Um, one: How many people at at work have found out about your channel? If any. Well, <laughs> so at, at the very beginning, I never talked about 
YouTube when I first got the job. I actually got my current position shortly before I started the Game Dave channel. So they almost kind of go hand in hand. A lot of things happened that year, and it all kind of culminated with me launching Game Dave as soon as I, shortly after I got this job. And I think it was discovered by my the, the phys ed teacher at our school. I think he found it because good old Facebook, because there is a Facebook <laughs> Game Dave um, page, and it's just that weird thing of, you might like this page, you know, classic Facebook recommendations. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it spread very quickly, so it's sort of known amongst the staff that I do it, but very few of them, I think, watch it. I don't work with a lot of gamers uh, by any means, so it's it's sort of a, a different world for them. And, you know, I do get into some of the more obscure things, and I, I can't imagine that our the art teacher is interested in the Famicom. So <laughs> it, it that's the good thing is that they're not like, saw your video yesterday, Mr. Thomas. You know, that doesn't really happen. Uh, the, the younger crowd that does sort of pay attention to YouTube, they, they kind of watch some of my stuff here and there, but it's not really a big discussion. It's not weird. What yeah. is weird is when the kids started to find me. <laughs> and, you know, obviously I never intend for the kids to find out about it. Though, luckily, my channel is relatively uh, 80s PG, we could say. Oh, it's a hard PG. That's what I like to say. Uh, innuendo. Classic 80s innuendo. That's that's how I run. <laughs> and so it's not like a big fear if they find me. It's just I don't want to have to talk about it in front of the class. Yeah. And I remember the first student that found me, he... At, raised his hand, we were doing... A, I teach computer class, by the way. I'm the, the related arts teacher for computers. So I see all the kids. And he, he sort of raised his hand and called me over. We were doing like an independent assignment. And he's like, Mr. Thomas, are are you the game, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was like, uh, what? What? He's like, yeah, I saw you playing Mario Kart 8. I'm like, oh, that's right. That video did well. And naturally... <laughs> The Wii U was kind of a big deal to kids, at least. Yeah. So they were looking up games like that, the original Mario Kart 8, and he had, he had come across it, and that, that's usually what happens is the Nintendo stuff is where the kids would find me, and they're like, Mr. Thomas is a YouTuber! And to them, you know, young kids think YouTube is like this awesome, huge, like celebrity-ridden thing. You and I know the deep, dark secret of what YouTube really is. <laughs> but they just see it as like, I mean, there's kids. Like, I do a PowerPoint project where I ask the students to make a PowerPoint about uh, careers that they would be interested in when they go to college. And it's getting, every year, more and more kids put YouTuber. Or, I want to be famous. And I'm like, oh, they don't get it. They don't see... Yeah. It, it, that's not what it's about. You don't want to be on YouTube just to be a YouTuber. And it's almost a word that bothers me at times where it's like if somebody asks me, well, what do you do if I did this full time and it was my main job and people ask me, what do you do for a living? I, would, I wouldn't say I'm a YouTuber. I would probably say, oh, I make online uh, media content just because, you know, YouTube is just the platform, you know. Like if you have a podcast and it happens to be on Stitcher, 
and somebody's like, oh, what do you do for a living? You're not going to say, oh, I'm on Stitcher. You know, that'd yeah. be weird to say. You'd say, no, I, I have a podcast or I have a show. And it, these kids, they see YouTube as the, it's this direct line to fame and it's kind of scary. Have a passion for something. And if YouTube is the outlet for you to share that passion, awesome. That's great. But see it as, as the outlets. Just see it as a platform. Don't see YouTube as the career, you know? It's just something that should be a support structure for the, the creativity and the things that you want to create and share with an audience, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, when you, when you mentioned, like, you know, what do you, what do, you do, that, that part, uh, that reminded me of um, when I first met my girlfriend, she was like, oh, you know, what, what are some of your hobbies? And I was like, I shoot videos. <laughs> and she thought I meant porn. <laughs> so, dude, dude, the so, exact same oh. thing happened to me before. Oh my gosh! So before YouTube, in high school, you would I was making movies on at that point high eight tape. I moved up from VHS because you know I'm a bit I'm a bit older than the the general YouTubers might be, and uh, so I was making movies with my buddies on high eight tape, and. And, you know, you go to a new class and a lot of times they'll do the the icebreakers. All right, everybody say your name and one thing that is your hobby. And I used to say, not thinking, uh, I, I'm Dave and I'm an amateur filmmaker. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, Whoops. No. Don't say amateur filmmaker because everybody's yeah. like, oh, oh. Yeah. So I, I was probably seen as like this skeevy skeevy 16 year old in high school I was, like, I was like no I make fight scene movies with my buddies in their backyard that's what I meant to say but I'm not gonna say that that's even yeah. that sounds worse well, yeah. and that's, oh man that's like when, when when I said I shoot videos and then she was like oh you meant like YouTube videos I was like yeah I figured that sounded worse so actually, <laughs> now we know it doesn't <laughs> yeah I know I'm off top again but I know I've told uh, I've told Bolt the story of uh, how I ordered a new futon back in January and my, my uh, spare bedroom at my house is my studio. So the delivery guy comes in with the futon. He sees the camera set up and I've been <laughs> and grand keep in mind, I had like some Mario posters on the wall and whatnot. And he's like, so, uh, are you like filming porn in here or something? <laughs> oh God. Well, you know, you gotta have a futon to finish the set. I mean, YouTube is kind of, kind of does kind of screw you a lot. So, <laughs> oh, Ooh. oh, Boom! There's that the hard PG. Here. There's that hard PG. Yeah, the witty <laughs> jokes here on the NewTubers podcast. The wittiest podcast you'll ever hear. So, um, one thing I wanted to dive into, uh, since we've kind of gotten over the, the the breadth of your channel and your history on the platform, uh, what would you say like some of your like your biggest lessons learned, some of your biggest successes, maybe your biggest shortcomings, uh, you know, video wise, performance wise, uh, anything like that, like just advice for the the creators out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, let's talk about all the things I suck at. Um, <laughs> so for starters, no, uh, uh, I would say the biggest thing for me that I guess held me back, but I, in a way, my original channel that I was just sort of doing random stuff with, I, I hadn't. It was never in my mind that. I was trying to create a YouTube career at that time because, I mean, it was at the point where monetization was not this widespread thing. The, the partnership thing was very new, so I wasn't really thinking in that mindset. But when I started to focus more on that channel, the biggest thing that I wish I had learned earlier was focus on what you have a passion for early on instead of 
<laughs> the randomness and focus became so important because once I focused and honed in us onto something specific, like you might have that fear of, oh, I'm going to pigeonhole myself and this is all I can talk about because no one's going to watch if I try to talk about these other things I'm interested in. But the other problem people get into is they pigeonhole themselves into something that works that they don't care about. And that's what happened to me. Like my most popular series on my old channel was a, sh a show that I didn't really want to be doing. It was just something I did as a sort of a goof <laughs> for fun. And it sort of took on this, this audience. And that's all people wanted. And I was like, well, I'm not passionate about, the, about this at all. So what do I do? And then when Game Dave came around, it was like very eye-opening just because the growth was so different. You know, I've had Game Dave as a channel for a much shorter period of time, and it is a much larger thing than I ever could have imagined. So focus is like a big thing that I struggled with. Uh, consistency is something I struggle with, but I like to blame that on the full-time job a little bit. Uh, I could have utilized my summers a little bit more uh, intensely in the past years of having the channel, but I think it's a lot of that post-teaching year exhaustion where that first month after uh, summer break starts, you're just recovering from the energy you use teaching every day. So that, yeah. that that's a big mm -hmm. thing that um, I've noticed, but getting caught up in the views. I almost, uh, my buddy Noptop to bring him up again, we, we used to joke about getting invited to a convention and when they ask for a panel submission, we make a panel because a lot of times you'll see panels at gaming conventions that'll say uh, how to get started on YouTube or, or how to be, you know, similar to what you guys are doing, but you're doing it in a much more focused and connected way. And you'll see these panels where like how to get started on YouTube or 10 things you need to know before you start a YouTube channel or how to be successful on YouTube. And Noptop and I are like, we should have a, a, a panel at a convention called how to be successful on YouTube with no viewers. Because <laughs> when, when you get caught up on the viewership, you, you'll never be successful because you, you're caring about the wrong thing. You're caring yeah. about you know the numbers, and you're spending all this time on SEO, and I gotta get this thumbnail just right. I gotta get this clickbaity title just right, and then the content becomes secondary to your goal. And like, have I have I done titles that are that are interesting to click on? Of course, absolutely. Sometimes unintentionally, but the content I always hope is is there. It's not like you click on a title that's interesting on my channel and then you watch like, wow, this is what a crappy video. This is so poorly made. You know, I try to, I, I want people to watch, but you got to be careful about focusing so much on the numbers. Um, and like I've said, when you go to a convention and you turn those numbers into people, that's like the most important thing. And I think the best thing you can do is network. If it, Networking with other people. And I'm not saying direct message all these big YouTubers that you like and say, hey, can you retweet my newest video? Can you share my channel? Can you share my channel? Because those people are going to see you as just, you just want something for nothing, you know? Yeah. And that, that's, that's a tricky thing. Or uh, you'll see this a lot on Twitter because you can tag people in posts. 
So a lot of times somebody will post a video and they'll tag like 40 big YouTubers and in their mind they're like, oh, if just one, if just one big YouTuber would retweet my tweet, I'll, I'll get all those subscribers. And the big lesson there is it won't matter. Just, yeah. just because somebody with a huge following on Twitter retweets one of your video posts it it doesn't mean you're going to blow up overnight in fact i don't think it'll make any difference really i've had when i started out uh one of my earlier videos got retweeted by somebody and it got like one like because people follow that person on twitter for their stuff you know so yeah. it's mm-hmm. I, I don't know where i'm going at this point i've rambled but to answer your question Hopefully I answered your question with some of those <laughs> things about the positives and negatives. It's There are a lot of negatives that you have to sort of machete your way through to being an online creator of whatever you do, whether it's music or podcasting or, or creating video content or live streaming. And I think the biggest thing to, to cut away is that focus on the numbers. And I'll see it a lot where, uh, especially on Twitter, with new with new channels – who might have their and it's good to have goals. It's good to say, oh, you know, I, I would like to get to to a thousand subscribers, and that's an okay goal to have. But don't put everything into that number because there's so many channels out there that have hundreds of thousands of subscribers that get, you know, eight hundred views. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's that's something my my buddy Noptop has dealt with, where he has a channel with over fifty thousand subscribers, and he gets about you know, one to 3,000 views per video because he's he's had his channel a long time. He wasn't very consistent. He never really knew what he wanted to do. He knows he's in a... He has his passions, but I don't think his passions really come through in his videos all the time. And and I think people see that and, and it gets difficult where you, you've built this audience over eight years, but your audience is all over the place, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially with like with the age of a channel a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, like you said, if you take like a short or a long break, it can kill channels. Absolutely. And that, that's not that's not to scare anybody away for the listeners or the viewers on YouTube or anything. Um, it's, it's just, just a, real. A it's just real, you know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a thing that can happen. And there are channels that, that sort of step outside that, that rule. I mean, probably the best example would be JonTron, where he'll yeah. take these insane six month breaks and post a video and it blows up. And it's almost like he's the, the opposite end of the spectrum where he's so infrequent that people sit around and wait. And it, it, it's like this big deal. Every time he does post, it's almost like, like secretly that's what he's doing. <laughs> That'd be kind yeah. of funny. When I've heard, even there are some creators, uh, this is sort of on the same topic where, uh, they'll, they've gotten to the size where if they post more, it actually hurts them. Because mm. there's a shorter gap between videos, and that means that less people, fewer people, watch and, uh, you know, like, check in, and they, they get the notification, or, you know, what have you. And uh, I don't know that JonTron's in that same crew, necessarily, because he takes, like, you know, one-year gaps and just doesn't show up mm-hmm, and everything. Right. Um, yeah, I totally get what you're saying, though, because I've thought about that, too, because when I was putting together this schedule, I was trying to figure out sort of a sweet spot because as much as I hate to think about the searches and the SEO and the days that you post, sometimes you have to do it. If, if I'm trying to make this something I could do full-time, I, I got to eat. Yeah. So I do have to think about how well things are getting out there and how many people are getting a chance to see what I'm creating. And 
you know, that whole thing of, oh, if you post every day, your channel's going to blow up. <laughs> I implore the new people out there to try that for a month, and you will see it is not the easy answer. Everybody's like, oh, man, if I could just post a video every day, I would blow up. No. <laughs> no, yeah, no, because it will fall on that content. It's going to fall on what you're making, and if you're engaging people and engaging yourself in what you're creating, because people can tell a phony is on the internet. Like They'll pick up on the phoniness or, or the insincerity of what you're talking about very quickly, and they'll shut off. And as, as people get older, I think the YouTube audience, a lot of times we think YouTube is, is just a bunch of kids. Like The biggest audiences are a lot of kids. And there are a lot of young you know, teenage kids on YouTube. But there's people who've been on YouTube a while who are older. They may not be as, their voices might not be as loud as the young kids because they might be a little bit more mature and they might think before they comment a little yeah. bit differently. But they're there. Yeah. And I know for me, it is hard to take the time and watch YouTube videos. And there's a lot of channels I like. And I find myself where I'll have a, a Google Chrome browser that's just full of preloaded YouTube <laughs> yep. tabs of like, I've got 40 YouTube videos to watch. I'm like, when am I going to have time to sit down and watch all these? And when you have a channel that you follow that's posting every other day, it gets to the point where it's almost like a video game where it's so overwhelming that you give up on it. It's like, I have too many things to do in this game. I'm just going to play a different game because I'll never catch up. And, yeah. and I think that can cause channels to to die where they posted so much content so regularly they're bombarding you with with archived live streams like i post my live streams but they're unlisted and they're on a public playlist so when i live stream it doesn't pop up in your feed every day because i know for me i'd be like wait i got all this stuff to watch what is all this i gotta i'm gonna start ignoring this channel because it's too much and i, I think you have to consider that as well you don't want to th throw so much it's that and not to say that just because you have quantity, the quality will go down. Some people can put out quality stuff regularly, but it is, I mean, there's a reason that the TV series model has worked for so many years of yeah. getting 24 episodes in a year. Like, it's not, it's, yeah, we like to make fun of TV. TV ain't, ain't keeping up with the times, but, I mean, it's a format that has worked just in the sense of their consistency. And if you figure 24 episodes a year, you know, that's a video every other week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to dive into a couple things, there's a lot I wrote down while you were uh, talking there that I want to unpack. Um, first off, regarding daily content, uh, funny you say that because James actually just did a month of daily content. Nearly killed Ooh, me. Um, I, I want to know, what what was the result? Uh, it was interesting because the, the thing is, usually I focus on more... Uh, you know, retro stuff. I like to cover a lot of ROM hacks, a lot of bootlegs. Uh, recently, I've been diving into covering, like, Famicom disk system stuff on occasion, but... Ooh, nice, nice. The, the, the main thing for me is that it's easy to do daily if you're doing something like a news video or whatnot. Like, I expected E3 week to be the most difficult. No, if you're covering E3 news, like, you can literally... Like, uh, I did a video immediately after Super Mario Party was announced. I was like, hey, new Mario Party. Here's what I think that's going to happen. That got 20,000 views. Oh, congratulations. But at the same time, I did a, you know, if you want to go more, to more, you know, it's kind of thing where it's like I did this other video where there's this old fashioned family run video store near my house in, in Canada. 
And I put a bunch of time and effort into that, and that video, I think, hasn't even gotten a thousand views yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's a topical... It's a topical stuff, but what I will say is, based on what you just said, send me the link to that video, because I would much rather get engaged in that video, <laughs> because it means something. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And that's, There's more I, heart. That's why I've... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm so... I've never been one to talk about news. Like, newsy topics don't really interest me. It's very rare that I'll talk about news stuff because... And a lot of the successful gaming channels nowadays are doing very, very topical recency bonus type things where, you know, they get that game review out the day that people can buy it because they had it two (laughs) weeks early, which... Or they... um, Xbox announces a new a, the new hardware is going to be shown and they're like ah oh, I'm going to get a video out immediately ah oh, going to be the first one out because and then everybody's doing it and I just don't like those videos don't appeal to me and it, I I am curious I would love to to talk to the the fans of those um, videos and like are they sitting there like Mario Party uh, release date or or you know new Xbox hardware details. Because I would think, in my mind, if I look up that information, I usually look at it on an old, you know, a text-based article website. Yeah. And not so yeah. much, because I feel like a lot of those videos, I mean, I guess people would rather just listen to somebody regurgitate it, which is fine. But I do like, uh, like, Happy Console Gamer, I think, is a, is a good example of, of doing it well, where he will talk about a news topic, but he has a connection to it. Like, I think he just did a video... Uh, when this comes out, it may it'll be older, but it was about uh, a new Fantasy Star game that's going to be on mobile, Ooh, oh. and sort of his disappointment with that because he's a huge Fantasy Star fan, and you know he posted a video about it. It's relevant. Uh, what scares me with those types of videos is two years from now, there's no reason to watch that video. Yeah, there's well, no there's and, no sort of evergreen to well, it. Well, that that's why I notice as well because like. The, the issue of modern content as well is I feel like there's so many channels that not only have more following, but I feel like they can just do it, do, they do it well enough. You know, I feel like, you know, you can only do so many different things with news, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like, I, I remember when I first found, found Happy Console Gamer, for example, it's like, you know, who else is talking about East, for example? <laughs> Did a review of ESA, yeah. by the way. Love that game. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he do, and he does it well. He does it well. Yeah, um, but yeah, with with daily content, it was interesting watching James like talk about his experiment as he went through it because I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you started in April, just about like you started planning for this in April and getting videos ready ahead of time. Yes, sponsored by that car that just sped past. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys heard that, but whatever. Uh, and it was interesting watching, like, because something would come out with news and you'd be like, oh, crap, I got to push off that video just to get one more out. And, you know, for views, it seemed to do well for you. I mean, daily content and new stuff obviously gets the views. That's why a lot of people do Never it. again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was it was interesting watching, like, your reaction, like the the stress of having to do I had to do this, this, this and this and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it was. It's it can be worthwhile, but it it's it's tough because you kind of lose your passion. I noticed in your yeah. case. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's what I I've seen with some people that have tried that. And the, and the other thing, it's almost like you're trading. 
it, it is a view game for sure when you do the, the daily videos. And there, there's sort of, I can see the benefit of you're putting out more things and there is the benefit of it's more likely if you're putting out 30 videos in a month instead of four videos a month, it's more likely that one of those 30 videos is going to hit that sweet spot and it's yeah. going to grab people than if you're only putting your you know, all your eggs into the basket of these four videos that month. So there is that benefit. And it's sort of like trading your longtime viewership, talking about that whole evergreen term that we like to throw around as uh, online media people. <laughs> but you put out and get the views up front because those videos, you know, they drop, they stagnate very quickly. So you get the views up front, whereas a video that is, you know, a review of something or, or a look at, something more in depth is going to stick around. So it may only have a thousand views now, but down the road, it might start to catch up Yeah. Now, for my channel. The, the Nintendo machine gun video, which was one of my uh, more most popular family corner episodes. When that first came out, it didn't blow up and it took time for people to go back and catch it. And now it's, it's one of my most, you know, most popular fan. I think it's the most popular Family Corner episode because um, people went back and were like, "Oh my gosh, that's so crazy!" It, it didn't need to get, you know, it didn't need to go viral. You know what I mean? Like viral, mm -hmm. viral is great for uh, getting that ad revenue and getting the views up and maybe getting an influx of subscribers a little bit. But those viral videos don't build a community the same way as that slow yeah. growth. Like slow growth communities are so dedicated. And you'll see these channels that blew up very quickly. They have a big subscription base, but you look at the comments and the community is very, they're not connected to the creator the same way as they are just kind of like talking in the comments. And yeah. they're not as dedicated and not to bring in money into it. But if you look at somebody who has a smaller dedicated fan base and someone who has a huge following, but they're not these hardcore fans. And you look at their Patreon pages, it's funny to see these smaller channels that have very successful Patreon pages and these yeah. 100,000, 150,000 subscriber channels that have much smaller Patreon bases. Yeah, I think uh, that was another thing I was going to jump into, which was, you know, when you go into that news content, when you mentioned you want to ask the viewers, you know, like, not necessarily why they're watching, but, you know, just ask them questions, uh, it, I'm glad you used the word viewer because there's a difference between a viewer and a fan. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's a huge difference. There's a huge gap between the two. And fans can fans can become viewers and viewers can become fans, mm -hmm. depending on what you do. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's been content I've done that I've lost some fans from it. And they've kind of moved back into, oh, he's doing this now. Okay, and that that's just kind of the game you play. Yeah, there's a uh, lot of those big channels where they have a lot of viewers and <laughs> honestly those viewers probably don't even like the guy or gal that's on on camera, but they watch anyway cuz they just want to keep up with them. It's not that they like them, <laughs> but they so there's like these these uh sort of that negative viewership and that's what I come kind of comes back to talking about the comments. You can see like for the most part I have a very positive uh audience a very positive community and you can see that in the comments and of course we all we all get the negatives every once in a while yeah, yeah. that's expected but you know if you compare 
you, you can tell the way that somebody has crafted their content based on the community and how how negatively or how quickly they react to somebody um, or, or the way that they your audience might defend you in the comments, which is always neat to see if I get a, like a weird negative comment and like four or five people get into a reply thing. It's like a gang. The Game Dave gang shows up. <laughs> like, hey, you shut up. You shut up. He's not cringy. He's not cringy at all. I was like, well, let's be honest, guys. I'm a little cringy. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I know, that, I know that feeling where uh, pe- people are like, what's up with the – like uh, one guy last week commented video. It's like, what, what's with the – the, I'm not sure if you can swear, but you know, what's with the ugly ass beard? And I looked, and it was a video from back when I did Movember last year, and I didn't get a, a beard trim for a month. I was like, you know what? It is an ugly beard. It was, a, it was hideous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, I will say, another one of the benefits is you, you learn to, well, if you look at it the right way, you definitely learn to take criticism a little bit better. Yeah. Um, having stuff online for just the public to, do what they want with because once it's out there it's it is game on like you're going to learn a lot about how you look (laughs) you're going to learn a lot about how your voice sounds to other people all the things your family won't tell you (laughs) the internet's the internet is going to tell you because my mom's not going to be like hey you know dave you kind of have like a whiny voice you ever notice that (laughs) (laughs) uh thank thanks ma thanks ma yeah i um i've gotten into the habit of uh self-roasting just to get it out of the way, um, <laughs> self-deprecating. Like, not, yeah, not even like a like a like a mean self, like super self-deprecating kind of way. Yeah. Just um, there's one video which I I, I want to put it out, but I also don't. I kind of want to save it as like a special thing, uh, where I I have a, another character who would just get into a fight with my character, uh, and just start insulting me the entire like the end of the video is just us insulting each other, uh, and it's just. It'd just be fun. <laughs> oh yeah, just to get them all out of the way and say, "Hey, now you can't make fun of it because I did." <laughs> That's right. Call it, call it out on yourself before they, before they get you. But yeah, the thick skin. It, it's nice. You, you do get to build a bit of a thick skin because yeah. I know for the longest time, um, it, it's that weird thing of, you know, I have a very positive audience, and you know, if and when I go through the comments every once in a while, and there'll be a hundred super positive, nice comments. You know, and then you'll see that one comment, and it might just be like, "Man, this guy sucks," and that's the only comment you remember, and yeah. that sucks. That you, it, it's so easy for us to hone in on that one comment. It's like, wow, all this—it's like ninety-nine percent of the comments were were on board and got it, and it's like, yeah. oh, I didn't get everybody. I didn't get everybody, and you have to learn to accept that, and and laugh at it, and. I mean, as you know from the panel, I, I kind of went over some of my most negative comments yeah, at too was, many games. That was fun. <laughs> and uh, I, I would have been nice to actually show uh, the comments on the screen. We had some technical difficulties, classic too many games. But uh, yep. it's funny. I got yeah. back to the hotel room, and that PowerPoint loaded up with no issues. Oh, oh crazy. God. Crazy. But we ended up having a nice – it worked yeah, out. Yeah, that was, that was one of the more fun – I'm not saying this because you're here. This was one of the more fun panels – that I had been to. Well, thank you. Yeah, because uh, a lot of times I get, and this is no offense to all of my YouTuber friends and gaming online creator friends that do this, because most of them do. They're just Q and A's. They just do Q and A's, and that's fine. Yeah. It's it's okay. Like especially when it comes to a content creator panel and not somebody who's doing a panel about something specific. 
a lot of times yeah. content creator panels are Q and A's. And, you know, my first too many games panel, I was like, I'm not going to do a Q and A. I'm going to go crazy and do all this stuff. Luckily last year we didn't have any PowerPoint issues, but yeah, it's, it's just, I, I try to make it like a show and, you know, like we're hanging out and it's, it's not just, all right, ask me questions. And I did a little bit of Q and A, but I always feel like I don't get a lot of questions during the Q and A because I don't have say a, a technical channel. Like you go to a My Life in Gaming panel, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm in like a class, you know, where people are yeah. like, I got this uh, specific TV model with it, which has this uh, input on it. Which cable would be the best for the the proper resolution on this? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, what? <laughs> well, I yeah. don't understand. I just tell Corey and try what I need to look good, and they they tell me what to plug in. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm very thankful that I have access to Corey and Try 24 seven when I have Framemeister issues, but not everybody has that. So for them, it's, they do just a Q and a, because they get question after question after question. Like for me, it's, it's more of that, you know, uh, entertainment side of things. And, you know, I do get questions about some of the more obscure stuff. If I left out some details and, you know, not, not to sell myself short that I just, I just make goofs about games the whole time, but you, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, one thing I wanted to say, we don't, I don't try to talk about myself on these too much, but regarding the negative comments thing and regarding too many games for that matter, um, any negative comments I've gotten, which haven't been many in the past month, uh, thankfully, um, I've started to think about the time at too many games this year, just last month or now, probably two months ago at the time that this goes up. uh, I met my first fan at like a, after a panel that I was on. That's awesome. And and mind you, it's just like with the way the panels are, too many games. You have ten minutes to get out once you're done. Oh my like, gosh! <laughs> like yeah, they, they the gotta, next one starts. They got to work on those transitions, yeah. Uh, and which is obviously totally fine, but it was like I was in. It was my first panel, and I was in like this post-panel haze because we were like working on the PowerPoint and everything, and like getting our like notes down mm-hmm. literally half an hour before. Like yeah. it was, in, and it turned out fantastically. I was so proud with how it came out, but it was like. I'm like stressed. I'm in like this daze, and and this guy comes up to me and starts like saying like, "Hey, you know, I found you through so and so. I just wanted to say like, I really like your stuff." And I was like, I, "I, he had said his name, and I didn't catch his name at the time. And I, I'm glad I he popped up in the comments when I did the video. But yeah, it was just like that will always stick with me. Oh yeah, uh, abs- absolutely. Those those first couple people that you know, it's it's just that weird. Like it's okay to feel good about being recognized. It's it's. Yeah, some people are like, oh, yeah, what, so douchey to be like, oh, yeah, people came up to me and they knew who I was. It's like, screw you. It's cool. It's awesome to to meet these people and, like I said, make it real, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I probably and, my um, favorite one yeah. was at uh, a MAGFest several years ago, and it was um, this, uh, I'd say, middle-aged woman came up to me, and she was like, hi, I, are you Game Dave? And I was like, yeah, I'm, that's me. Well, what's up? <laughs> and she's like, well, I have my son with me. He was really excited to come to MAGFest, and he didn't know you were going to be here because I had not made an announcement video that I was going to be there because I wasn't like a guest or anything. And uh, she was like, yeah, we were walking around the floor, and he noticed you, but he was too nervous to come up to you and say hi. And I wanted to say if it was okay if you'd come over and say hi to him because I was just like shopping, you know, trying to get my bundaroos, trying to get some deals <laughs> at the tables, but I was like, oh, absolutely, so, you know, she took me over to him, and, and she told me, that he 
barely said anything. He was probably eight. Um, so I gave him a game day button, and, and we ta- talked a little bit. I talked to his mom mostly because he was kind of shy and nervous. And she told me about how he had been sick. And he's like uh, one of the only kids in his grade that likes retro games because most kids are doing the modern stuff. And for some reason, he just has this really weird connection with uh, retro games for his age. And, you know, I'm one of the channels he watches. And, uh, like, for his birthday, all he wanted was, like, an NES, uh, like, NES games and an Atari. And I was like, wow. I was like, buddy, you're the one that's going to keep this alive after I am dead. (laughs) After I am long gone. And then she told me how he had gotten sick and, that you know, he was in the hospital for a while. and, And she remembered she would hear my voice because he would watch my videos. And I was like, this is insane i'm like crying everywhere and inside uh <laughs> to dry my tears off but it was it was so awesome to meet him and his mom and just talk about like you know that that thing of i said at the beginning of putting a smile on somebody's face you don't know what's going to do that whether it's you know showing off something they'd never heard of before and like be like wow that's amazing they made an inflatable bike controller for the famicom that's stupid <laughs> but hilarious then you might smile for that, or it might be something as simple as, oh, that was funny when uh, Game Day farted in that video. You know, it might seem <laughs> stupid at the time, but if if you're enjoying it and it's making you happy, <laughs> at least for that, the moment the toot comes out, then I'm good with that, <laughs> you know? And that, yeah. that, was, that was amazing. Like that, and that reinstilled in me that I made the right decision keeping my stuff you know, relatively, you know, clean and, and for anybody, because I think kids could watch the show. They may not get everything, but they could be entertained and, and adults for sure can get a lot out of the videos as well. It, it doesn't single anybody out, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, like when I bleep my stuff out, when I, cause I, I don't keep myself totally PG, but I bleep, uh, I, I'm not like the parents don't care. Like it's just like, a, or the adults don't care rather. They're still going to watch the kids, you know, they're more impressionable. True. And it's true. Not to mention with the way YouTube works, you never know where if you get caught saying the F bomb, you're demonetized. You never know if that starts happening. I'll tell so. you, it was so funny to see, and I'm not gonna name any names, but I am thinking of one. But it's so funny to see like a channel that, you know, I've known for a while, and then when that whole demonetization for what they how do they refer to it? Rough language? Isn't that what they called it? I think, I think so. That's yeah. what they would demon- yeah. demonetize you for rough language and it was very not specific. Uh, this one uh, channel, out of nowhere, like th- fair, th- there were f's dropped for sure, uh, many a fudgery, but they they totally stopped any swearing, and I'm like okay, so and I can understand maybe changing if it's like you know this is your money maker, this is your job, but it, it's interesting to see how your content feels different when you make such a dramatic change like that. It'd be like the nerd if the nerd. You know, oh, God. decided, you know what, I'm going to go family friendly just for the demon. I mean, he obviously doesn't care. And I don't think he gets demonetized necessarily because, you know, his his stuff is probably tagged properly or whatever. But yeah, it's that's a tricky thing. I wasn't sure how I felt about that, where you had, you know, somebody who did sort of more angry reviews and they kind of pulled back. And it's, I don't know. What do, what do you guys think? Let me let me ask the question. What do you think? Do you think that's OK for somebody to. I think that happened with I. I know nothing about it. I am an old man when it comes to Fortnite, but <laughs> I know with the the whole. I've never seen his stuff, but Ninja is like the big guy. Yeah. yeah. And I know he talked about how he made all of his stuff clean now, family friendly. He doesn't curse on stream. 
Do you, and I mean, I don't know if he did a lot before, if that was really part of who he is as a person that, you know, that's just how he talks. Cause some people just talk like that and that's totally fine. Like, I don't care. Like maybe in conversation, I may, I may say swears game Dave after dark. It happens, but, <laughs> but I don't, you know, feel like I need to put that out. It doesn't define me, you know, like, what do you th- guys think about that? Well, I, I think the big thing as well is it's like, I know parents can't always monitor what their kids are watching, but, you know, have an idea of what they're watching, but also, like, some channels, like, uh, The Nerd, or, uh, I know this channel doesn't post anymore, but Alpha Mega Sin, like, if they didn't have language or whatnot, that just kind of, it'd take away a huge part of what made their channel so popular, right? You know, it's part of the, their persona. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be pretty tough for Alpha to stop, yeah. <laughs> good old alpha but at the same time like with a, a lot of them like you know if we're talking about old video games and you know we're focusing either on the entertainment value or you know the game itself it, you know there's for most channels kind of like what we do we don't need that type of language in fact i remember one of the first videos i ever did and i don't know why i kept it up was an animal crossing retrospective with some friends and we were swearing like sailors and my sister actually watches right and I have mm-hmm. a, a four-year-old niece and a two-year-old nephew, and she was like, "This is well edited, but I can't watch it with the kids in the room." Mm. So you know, yeah. at that point, I was like, "Well, you know, I I feel like maybe some self-censorship is good, depending on what type of audience you want to appeal to, right?" Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. I I think with me personally, um, the way I had designed my channel was I actually spent six months before I made a video just planning out my game plan, like my review structure, my scoring system, everything I do, um, just to be that one guy who's different, of course, <laughs> naturally. Um, but I really wanted to make sure that once I started, I didn't have to change much. You know, obviously, there you'd improve the audio, you'd improve the video, you know, you learn better editing tricks. Right. Mm-hmm. But part of that for me was, you know... I'm going to self-censor because I don't trust, you know, YouTube. If this ever becomes something, you know, uh, that it can be a job or a career path or something, I'm not going to jeopardize that in any way just to be, you know, drop an F-bomb here. That Now, when I stream, I don't give a damn because, um, <laughs> like, streaming is totally – I mean, Twitch is much different with that. They're much more lax. Um, and even on YouTube, like, my, I'm not, not doing – streams on youtube if i am to make money i'm doing them for charity or you know whatever it might be yeah yeah and i i think so in my case it was never a question mm-hmm. um i think once that came to be that you know the rough language policy was uh brought in i don't blame any channels for for changing whatsoever like you said uh i think that there are certain channels like you said where their brand re- like requires that sort of mm-hmm. swearing mm-hmm. like uh uh, some call me Johnny comes to mind. Not that he swears often, but like censored the mode. the one where the the censored mode exactly like stuff like that. I think it it benefits that he had dropped f bombs and everything throughout every video he'd ever done because then when he did censored mode, it made for a good joke. But you know he's still one of the more family friendly YouTubers out there, minus the f bombs. Mm-hmm. PG thirteen. Yeah, PG-13 is a good way to put it. Yeah, there you go. I I like what you said about, uh, you know, having things feel consistent. And I did the same thing. I mean, obviously, I I spent a lot of time prepping mine. I had to build a a big set that I was going to be stuck inside of for the the launch of the show initially. (laughs) Yeah. But that's what I noticed with my original channel. When I was planning Game Dave, I'm I'm looking at this old channel. I was like, man, this thing is all over the place because I started 
with just some random videos I made in high school, and it, it was, there was no consistent uh, sort of aura to the channel, and, you know, I, I did go to school and do some video production stuff, like I have a tech degree in video production, so that's where I kind of, you know, I started with Premiere, learning the original Premiere, um, pre-pro, before they called it pro, and I think it was like Premiere 5 was the first uh, Adobe Premiere I learned with in school, and so I, I was able to come into Game Dave with that video production background already, and that helped so that I could kind of, you know, know that my audio was consistent and clean and using external audio and generally using lighting techniques that I learned and, you know, doing doing quality footage and, and things like that. So it's not as hard to go back and watch, you know, my original content from back in the day. Uh, the start of the channel in 2013, 2014. But uh, I'll tell you what is hard, though, is to see uh, how much weight I've gained in my face. <laughs> I will say that. That's a bit interesting. It's funny, even if you watch Game Dave the series, the, the actual storyline, from because it took so long to do that series, I think it was over the course of maybe a year or so, maybe two years. If you watch the first episode and you watch them in order, it's like, man... Game Dave slowly gets fatter by the end of that. Like I'm not, no, nobody would say I'm fat, but it, but comparatively, <laughs> pudgier. I'm more skinny fat in the the tenth episode than I was in the first episode. Yeah, obviously yeah. to absorb the blows of the frog bird as it attacked me. It was all, all purposeful. You were bulking up for it. Yeah, I was just bulking up. I was bulking up yeah. with Dunkin' Donuts and stuffed crust <laughs> pizza from Pizza yeah. Hut. That's no, I, I think no. I need a new trainer. That's some bad knowledge I'm using. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally feel that. I've noticed uh, when I watch my earlier videos. I mean, there are a few parts where, like, my first video, I, I, I obviously still cringe a little bit um, <laughs> to the point where I, I remade that video as a special thing just because I really wanted to – like, that was the only one where I was, like, not proud of it, even though I still was. Mm -hmm. um, but going back from that and being, like, you know, fresh-faced, clean-shaven, and then – I think there's a part in the video where it cuts and I have a beard because uh, I, I didn't think about it and I had to fix something and I was like, screw it. No one will care. Um, but now like I, you know, I have a beard. I've definitely put on a little bit of weight. So in the, in the same, in the same exact sort of boat on that one. I'll tell you the audience, they, they, they don't as much notice weight gain. Uh, cause I, I think a lot of times when people do put on some weight, a lot of times they look better. Like, I think I look better now than I did when I started my old channel. Like, I think my old channel, I look like a like a twig, like a very gangly. Because, yeah. like, I was I was that. They, they would say, oh, you're so blessed that your metabolism is amazing. It, it, it does suck being a super skinny, bony kid in high school that can't put on weight. Because it's, it's just yeah, the yeah. opposite end of the spectrum. I was the same way, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's my whole family line. Like, my grandfather, when he got out of the Navy, weighed 120 pounds because we're, <laughs> we're a very skinny family until about, uh, about 26, 27. And then it's like, all right, you've had your fun. <laughs> Say hello. Time to catch up. Say hello to this belly. <laughs> beer, <laughs> beer belly on a skinny guy. Basically what, what we're accursed, accursed with. But in the comments, you'll notice... People who gained or who were larger on, you know, online and then they lose a lot of weight yeah. and like get in shape. People 
really comment about that and sometimes positively but other times it'd be like you look weird now you look sickly like people will say oh you look <laughs> sick because you lost weight oh sorry sorry i got healthy all of a sudden <laughs> no, i know someone like, yeah. who's a boogie 2988 just got lost a yep. ton of weight oh yeah because he did yeah the surgery and yeah. everything he did and... yeah he's looking good crazy though. yeah yeah, yeah he he definitely i mean it would be he had a lot of weight to go through so it'd be hard for him to look bad um, what would be, yeah, actually, um, who was it? I can't remember it, but there was, uh, a creator. I think he reviewed movies and he lost some weight and people were like, wow, you look, you look really gangly and sick. It's like, no, I just started eating better is all. Yeah. It's crazy what people will notice, but that's why it's like I said, the things your mom won't tell you <laughs> the internet, yeah. the internet will. Yeah, Absolutely. So um, I think uh, second congratulations. I think this is the longest we've ever gone on a YouTuber's and podcast. It's funny because I, I is, is all right if I ask one more question, Bolt? No, yeah, I, I'm I'm still down to keep going for a little bit longer. Oh yeah, Are you still down, Dave? Or or I guess no, no, yes, of course I. <laughs> or of course I, I, I guess yes, it, I didn't even I, I didn't realize how long it's uh, been. It's it's we we all connected very well. We, we have <laughs> yeah, this you is know, we're, we're all family now. <laughs> that quick don't start don't start talking to me like my mom though oh come on Dad. be real with me be yeah real. be honest <laughs> <laughs> but i i guess going another thing because uh you know i remember when you i remember when we first started to call i was like oh what's up frank uh you've mentioned <laughs> we've mentioned that that of course you know from a little editing thing uh in the most recent game chasers episode which you were in uh right. so i i guess real quickly let's talk collaborations you know uh Okay. You know, you've done stuff to Game Chasers, Clint from LGR. Uh, I remember, mm-hmm. I think some of your early Next Game Dave stuff was actually on Gamester 81's channel, if I remember that right. Um, It was actually on the Rerez channel. Rerez. But w- what's your advice to, I guess, smaller YouTubers about, you know, doing collaborations and also, you know, just kind of, you know, going from just having their own little bubble on YouTube and expanding that and reaching out. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question because that's actually something I struggle with a lot. And sometimes I worry that people might think I'm rude or that I'm like anti people because I don't, uh, it's, it's not often that I do collabs on my channel. Uh, but I'm always, I mean, I try to be available to people if they reach out to, to do collabs. I, I've been on My Life in Gaming's channel a couple times. Uh, I, I did, a, <laughs> I was on uh, Happy Console Gamer's April Fool's video that he posted, his uh, top 10 comedic video. I appeared in that one. Um, of course, I worked with Shane on Rerez. Uh, it, it's tricky because it's that weird thing of when you have somebody on your channel, it's a totally it's a totally different thing because you are highlighting this person, and that thing of I know it's the, the only as much as I don't get caught up in uh, thumbnails and in SEO and, and tags and all that stuff that really irritates me even though it's it's just a necessary evil for us. The one thing I do think about a lot is branding, and branding in the sense of keeping myself consistent and, you know, that thing of who you hitch your wagon to, you know, who you hang out with in high school is probably going to influence your peer pressure related decisions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like I saw there were people who were going out and getting their party on and getting drunk in high school. And I was, 
you know, getting together with my buddies and having Monopoly tournaments in my parents' <laughs> basement. You know, <laughs> things like that. Cool guy stuff, you know. <laughs> and I think it's the same way online. You gotta, as much as we like to say online relationships are super different, that line continues to blur. And the people you surround yourself with will influence you and could come back to bite you or could come back to be a real benefit of who you make connections with. So I'm, I've always been very afraid of, you know, it's like I, you know, I may know somebody somewhat online as a, as a YouTuber. And then I'm like, yeah, why don't, why don't we collaborate? And uh, you'll do half of this episode on this review of this game. Cause we both like it. And I want you to be on the channel and we'll do it together. And then, you know, six months down the road, he's a murderer Whoops. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, oh, well, well, it was before I knew he was a murderer that we reviewed uh, <laughs> Bigfoot on the NES. Sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. But it, so that that thing has always been in the back of my mind. Like it's kind of a scary thing, which is all, almost sort of I'm always up for being on other people's channels. And I'm very bad about reaching out and, and having people collab on my channel. And, and it's not any thing about being rude. It's just like I have that that weird fear of, you know, spreading it out and because then if i have somebody on my channel i feel like i am in a way it's like you're vouching for that person right yeah is that crazy yeah, yeah that's no, completely I, I, accurate I get that okay and yeah well, i was gonna say i've taken the same approach uh in in many regards where it's like you know i'll pop on another channel and then i i'm i wait a little bit because it's i i it's you want to be safe um so I totally get where you're coming from on that. And even to uh, extend that out to like the new tubers out there who are watching or listening, there are a lot of larger creators where, you know, if you ask to collaborate with them, they might be interested, but it's a matter of, you know, they need to know you mm-hmm. better. They need to know your content better. Um, I'm working on something with a larger creator now, and it, he's just like, he knows me as a, as a person rather than as a fan. Mm-hmm. And it's, and even then, it's still like it's obviously on my channel, not on his channel, because it's it's a like you said, a much different step to go out and say, hey, everybody, this is a guy who makes good stuff. Um, I mean, even as we saw with uh, let's go back to John Tron, yeah. uh, you know, he he was the the guy who started normal boots and now he's not part of normal boots because of things that he said mm-hmm. and feels yeah. or felt, you know. So, like I said, I totally get where you're coming from on that. And it's don't ever think of it as, because I know when I first started, I'll admit this. It was like, you feel that a lot of larger creators don't want to collaborate because it's like, I got mine deal with it. Like I've, I've already gotten my success. Like you find yours and then we'll talk. And it's not really about that as much as it's like you, once you do this for a little bit longer, not that for me, two and a half years is long, obviously, but you know, even even running YouTubers and seeing it with everybody there, you realize it's just about, you know, you need to know these people because your brand's on the line, too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and it, it's more about building, because that's what I've noticed more, is that <clears throat> collaborations end up happening with people on accident. And because you, you build a friendship with people, and then I, I love when a collaboration sort of happens naturally. And the Game Chasers is a great example of that. Because I've known Billy and Jay for a couple years now, 
we see each other at conventions. They always go to too many games. I see them at uh, uh, Retro World Expo, uh, which is coming up in September, which I will be at. And a lot of times we, we just hang out. We just we chat. We sort of get to know each other, whatever. But we're not like, all right, so, yeah, let's get together and we'll do a video so we can help our channels. A lot of times collabs happen because you just like somebody and you want to just do something with them because it's fun. And yeah. that's what happened with the Game Chasers thing where Billy was like, Billy and Jay was like, hey, you, we're going to go to Classic Game Junkie. We want you to come with us. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it ended up becoming a, an episode and it was a great time. And You still there, Dave? I really enjoyed it. And uh, another, I got to give a, a big yeah, shout out awesome. to good old, I keep bringing him up, Happy Console Gamer, because he sort of gave me this huge boost early on. We met at... That's uh, fine. I, I took a note for I think when my I second cut, too many games. To second too many games I did. So this was way uh, back. I was super small channel at the time, and we met at uh, an after party event. Try, try leaving and the We just kind of hit it off again. because we both love JRPGs. So I, think, I think it lost you. And Johnny, I will say, is a very sincere guy. He's not. Uh, I'm not he's getting not any, that type of person that would ignore you because you're a small channel. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people make that assumption that, oh, they never emailed me back because I'm too small when I asked to collab with them. And it's kind of like goes back try, to what you said where try going into they might just not know your content that well. You know, It takes time to learn a YouTube channel to watch their videos. And they also might be super busy like Clint. You know, It's hard yeah. to get yeah. back yeah. with I'll, people I'll if you've got a lot of messages coming in. Uh, but we met and we kind of kept in touch and we started – we chatted good. every once in a while on yeah. Skype and we still do. We probably talk once a week. This will make the editing and, more fun for you. Uh, I was at work. Okay. And yep, I think everything's uh, back to good. I usually was, we didn't um, have a Verizon hey, tower near the school, so when I was at school, my phone was dead. I would have no signal. Yeah, no, yeah. So I usually would shut my phone off. So I got in the car, <laughs> upload. And I turned our my phone went. back on. I plugged it in to the the charger, and I'm okay, driving. Okay, so I think we're good. And then my phone starts going crazy. I'm like, what is going on with my phone? I'm trying to drive here, sir. <laughs> and I get home. And I, you know, I get the phone out, and it was my email notifications on Gmail, and it was like 500 email notifications. So then I went I like, over what? to my computer, and I checked my YouTube channel. Nothing was too crazy aside from the influx of subscribers. And I checked my subscriptions, and I see that Happy Console Gamer had done a shout-out video about Game Dave without telling me. And it was like... It was like Aww. the ultimate gift. So he blew up my phone, and I so I immediately called him on Skype. He's like, "Hey, Dave." I'm like, "Oh man!" I was like, "My phone is blown up." I was like, "That's so sweet of you." And we just talked a little bit. And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "I've wanted to do it for a while." He's like, "Your channel is so high quality," and I, I just I I wanted to do it, and I didn't even want to tell you about it. And I was like, "Yeah, well, it was a surprise," but that's a thing. We made a connection. We you know. He knew I was a good guy. I knew he was a good guy. And it's not like we had ever made anything together. We had never collabed on anything. He just took it upon himself to do that. And people will do those types of things for you. But you also have to put yourself out there and, and not be afraid to get to know people. And I would say going to conventions, uh, talking to some people they might that aren't in the gaming community, a lot of times they'll say, really, you're going to spend a whole weekend like or three or four days at a convention? Like you could be making two videos and reach tens of thousands of people, but you're going to go to this convention and maybe meet ten to twenty people. Like it's not going to grow your channel, but it really more it's more about meeting other people who are in the same sphere as you, 
you know, and like I've said, also getting to meet those those people that watch the yeah. show, which is as as you know, awesome an awesome feeling. I, w- I would argue it's healthier <laughs> than doing one or two videos to go yes. out and meet people and socialize. And, God yeah, forbid. yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah. every time i go to a convention it it re-inspires me and it, it gives me that energy back and i'm just like no this is i need to keep doing this don't give up on this because it, it like i said it makes it real and that was uh that was that was huge that was a huge thing in my uh my channel's life i think that was what pushed me to uh like twenty thousand subscribers and, and it happened very wow. quickly yeah that's awesome i was gonna say regarding the the subscriber email things uh it's funny because you mentioned that because i actually i still save all of mine you know even a couple thousand subscribers later every time i get an email for someone who has their subs public and they subscribe Mm -hmm. i have a special folder for it uh i keep it there i don't care if they unsubscribe after it's just it's like that also makes it a little real because it moves beyond the number where i can say hey Sonic fan 07 subscribe to me. <laughs> yeah, I will whatever. say I do I do have it where Gmail will automatically label and archive it. So I am a little I am still a little crazy, which is good. Yeah. I I think that's a good crazy yeah. though. And uh even like you said uh regarding collaborations, I mean James and I met because he just messaged me out of the blue on YouTube's Messenger uh, one old day. School. We we talked about this. This was like last year, two years ago. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the messenger feels it does, like it's, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. But yeah, um, he had messaged me out of the blue, and he was like, "Hey, I like I liked your video on I think it was a Shrek," and so we did. We, we worked together on a Shrek video, and then it. we became friends. Yeah, yeah, that's all. I mean, uh, Noptop. That's how I met him. Was the early YouTube days. He sent me. Uh, actually, a YouTube message to my inbox and was like, hey, I noticed you seem to put a little bit more effort into your videos than most people on here. And then just over time, we started talking and then we exchanged phone numbers and then we started calling each other and getting to know each other. And then we he came and visited and we made videos together and it just sort of, you know, and now he's one of my closest friends. It's It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. I would say in the same way, a lot of my closest yeah. friends now are YouTubers. That I've just met through, through newtubers or you know, mainly through newtubers, really, um, and we kind of went into that in the last podcast uh, episode, so I won't go too much into it here. But yeah, it's it's interesting watching your your crew shift around a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as it were. Um, one more thing I wanted to touch on before we get into what I'll probably make the last question okay. was another example that I thought of. I'm not going to name names. But regarding being cautious with collaborations and shoutouts, there was um, a YouTuber who was shouted out uh, maybe a year or two ago who has grown a decent amount. He's, you know, he's in the 10,000 subscriber range, I think. And he got into a big stink with some of the people that had shouted him out. And I'm trying to be very vague because I don't want to, you know, call out a specific situation. Uh, But it was... One of those things where I saw the original creator, the you know, hundred thousand subscriber mark or two hundred thousand subscribers, whatever it was, say, you know, when I shouted him out, I didn't know that he would, you know, do this, mm-hmm. you know, that he would make a stink over a small thing, um, and it was it was just it's there's a reason people are cautious, and I wanted to wanted to reiterate that even with you the larger know. creators, you never you never know. Yeah, so. and definitely, I would say 
avoid avoid the silly drama because oh, there's just no oh god there's yeah. no time for that junk and there's two it's everywhere and uh you just you know and i hate to say you need to be on guard but um you know just just be careful you know get to know get to know yeah. people i would say definitely get to know people before you're try try not to keep it in mind or delete that thought in the back of your head that oh if i get to know this guy and we become friends he might shout me out and make my channel huge cuz like in my mind i never thought that just because because johnny and i got along that he was going to shout me out like i had no it blew my mind it, because he probably saw that when i met him you know we were being sincere with each other we legitimately had a connection and we got along and we chatted well and you know we befriended each other and it was real. It wasn't this thing of, oh, well, maybe you know, I'm going to get to know some people so that I can kind of grow my channel. Because if you go into it with that mindset, people people are going to smell what you're stepping yeah. in, and they're probably going to yeah, avoid you. Yeah, yeah. And and, and there's, that's always in the back of my mind, uh, like you said. Um, I don't delete it. I kind of like hone it a little bit personally, where it's like, like that's not what I'm going there for. But if it happens, cool. Right, yeah, because it's certainly, I I mean, it's hard to not not have it cross your mind. Like, oh, I wonder if we might work together on something. But, yeah, to make that your your hyper focus is is not ideal. Yeah. Like, if I'm working with somebody, I want to work with them. It's not not for their subscribers because, uh, again, I was speaking with another um, person I interviewed uh, shortly after the podcast went off. And we were just talking about how it's the attach ratio of people like jumping over from one channel to another has gotten smaller and smaller. Yes. It is very, very rare that a shout out will get you like, that's why John and I were both blown away, but I think it's because he and I have uh, very similar audiences where they're very, they're very dedicated. They're very locked in and they're very positive. So I think that's why he felt like, you know, me shouting out game Dave makes sense because he he felt like there'd be a lot of audience crossover there, and he he yeah. was right. Like I'd never seen a shout out video be so successful. It it just it blew my yeah. mind. Yeah, we're long past the days of being on Did You Know Gaming making you, for example. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. So I think we'll close with the last question. Because like I said, this has gone very long. Um, which not a, not a bad thing. This has been, you're really fun. welcome. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> um, regarding streams, cause you, you mentioned that you do stream on Twitch. I saw you stream on Twitch just before yes, the podcast. Yes. And, uh, you also stream a little bit on YouTube. I don't know as how frequently comparatively, um, what have you noticed between the two? That's a question I like to ask for people that's, that stream. Do you find it in your opinion for your audience? Is it better to focus on diversifying and moving to Twitch, uh, and and obviously there's a higher, arguably higher profit margin on Twitch than YouTube, uh, or do you find that YouTube is better for your audience? There's definitely more money to be made on uh, on Twitch if you get locked in, but I will say it is very difficult to grow on Twitch, um, yeah, especially oh, yeah. right now because it is, I mean, it's growing exponentially. Everybody's moving to Twitch. Uh, that is into streaming. It feels like uh, that. Actually, this summer is the first time I've ever streamed on Twitch. I've had a Twitch account for a very long time, but I never streamed there because, in my mind, I was like, my audience is on YouTube. So when I yeah. did do a little test experiment with streaming a while back, uh, 
I did it on YouTube, and it did well. But I, I, I do both. I stream during the week on Twitch, and I sort of stream during the day because I am off during the summer. And it's a chance to sort of interact with audiences that aren't in my time zone, you know? Because yeah. a lot of yeah. times when I do streams in the evenings, a lot of those international viewers are asleep or it's 4 a.m. for them. So I was like, this would be a great opportunity if I stream on Twitch. And I, I know a lot of international audiences like Twitch. At least I seem to notice a lot more uh, people from the UK showing up on Twitch compared to YouTube. Um, and, and Twitch is a little more filtered. I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it's a little more casual. It's a little less intense. I mean, part of that is I have less people watching on Twitch, of course. I mean, it's just naturally how it's going to be. But um, less trolls, maybe, in as opposed to a YouTube live stream. Yeah. I don't know why that would be. Yeah, I, I think the community is more positive on Twitch a lot. Yeah, of because time. it's streaming like, is there, that's their bread and butter, so they take it seriously maybe. Yeah. Um, and I I remember I said this recently to somebody. I remember back when raiding was a bad thing. Like, oh no, they got raided. Now it's like, oh, you raided me, thanks man, and like, you know, you get a couple followers from it yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, and now they have hosting and all all those other things that yeah. go in with it, which is Now, I was a yeah. Twitch noob, I knew nothing about Twitch, so that the first couple weeks, I was really stumbling and trying to figure out, like, it, it, what, it's sort of, I mean, the behind the scenes, the way the sausage gets made is the same, because OBS and all that stuff. But the way that the interface works and learning about, like, I didn't know what bits were. I was like, what's a yeah. bit? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. And learning about, oh, eventually you can hit the affiliate program and the, and the way that uh, videos archive and how long they stay archived and learning all of that was it took some time uh, so I do a YouTube stream every Sunday from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern and those streams get between 100 and 150 uh, live viewers concurrently As, concurrently I don't know, I keep hearing that word concurrently is that how that At means like time, that yeah. about 150 stayed the whole time is that what that means yeah yeah I yeah, did yeah. it nailed it then on Twitch it, you know, I get about 20 to 40 people, uh, which is still awesome. It was enough to where we hit affiliate pretty quickly. Uh, but it, it's just more, I use Twitch as sort of this casual, just it's a way to play games that I just want to play and I don't have to worry about, oh, I got to capture this footage because I got to make a video out of it. It's, it gives me an excuse yeah. to feel like I'm, I'm working, but not working. Like I can actually just play games I want to play and... A great example would be would be from last week. I had uh, done a Twitch stream because Gerald and I had shot a few digitally distracted episodes, and I was like, "Hey, why don't we go to lunch and then come back and we'll do a VR stream on Twitch? So that way I don't die in VR because I can't see. You can keep me from running into things, and you can follow the chat while I play PSVR yeah. because I had not gone through uh, super hot VR yet, and I've been waiting to." And I beat the game on that stream. And I was like, this is all I beat. I get to beat a game yeah. on stream because it's yeah. a game I probably wouldn't awesome. review because everybody knows it. But it was a chance to play it and experience it. And that was a, it was a super fun stream. We had a really good crowd. And that, I think that kind of established for me that, that Twitch is something I want to continue to, to focus on. So during the week, I sort of Twitch stream. Wednesday is like the go-to day where you can guarantee I'll Twitch stream. 
And then I just throw in random extra days. Like I streamed Monday, Tuesday, and today on Twitch this week. And I might stream on Friday as well. Who knows? Uh, Leo Laserfrog, who played the shelves on the Game Dave series, he and I have been going through and playing the old Neverwinter Nights, uh, a classic so good. Uh, Western RPG based on Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, that we've been going through. And uh, yeah, I mean, as long as he's on board, we're going to see how far we can get in Neverwinter oh, yeah. Nights on Twitch. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And you guys can watch that uh, in the past. Because this will <laughs> they'll probably be done by the time this airs. <laughs> I don't know. We, we've been dying a lot because I forget to save. So we, we might still be going. Yeah, you never yeah. know. And they'll so be archived, so you can always watch them later. The one other thing I wanted to ask regarding streams is, with your YouTube streams, have you noticed any effect that the streams have had on your audience or your consistent viewership on videos or anything like that? Yeah, I think so. It's hard to gauge because it's such a different way that it, at least it appears to be a different way that the views are tallied upon your channel overall. Uh, but I, I like that now when you, when it archives, it gives like a view count based on the viewers that popped in during the stream, which is nice. Yeah. So at the end of a stream, there may only be 150 people that are still watching when you close out the stream. But when it posts, it'll say, you know, 1400 views, which is, I assume, based on the number of people that came in and out, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And then that video can continue to grow if you, you know, archive it. Uh, mine's a little harder to find, like I said, because it's they're all unlisted and archived, but they're on a public playlist. So if you did want to catch up on the stream, you'd have to go to the channel and go to that playlist. But at least it's there. Yeah. It's not they're not lost to time. And, and I kind of like, you know, I have a very digital hoarding mindset when it comes to media. Like I have every piece of raw footage for any video I've ever made on the channel just hard drives just just being destroyed and, and crushed into diamonds because they're so full <laughs> but i just I, i'm a pack rat when it comes to any footage so like i i record through obs the streams to my hard drive and then i also have the archives online so that i you know if for any reason i i wanted that footage i have it which is you know just that yeah. archival mindset i think that comes with being like a vintage game collector it's just that weird thing if you don't want to lose yeah. anything you want to preserve it no yeah i i totally i feel that yeah i i like the idea uh of the unlisted playlists uh, that's a that's a unique way i haven't seen many people go about yeah and it because it, it, i i've heard people before it's like oh he's just live streaming again because they'll think oh new video and then they get disappointed that, that it's yep. oh it's just an archive of his live stream and that's that's exactly why i asked um how it's affected your viewership if at all yeah, it's actually gotten um, because... the overall analytics um you know, aside from just, it, it's hard to gauge because I started it when I started this twice a week schedule, but it appears to help because obviously the viewership goes towards, you know, your overall channel views. And then there's that thing of retention and, you know, some people yeah. hang out on there. So it probably makes the watch time look more intense because every Sunday, you know, I'm live for two hours. So it obviously to YouTube makes the channel look active. I'm assuming I know, I know not what the algorithm uh, wills, but I assume that it, it's beneficial to the channel. And plus they, they probably want to compete with Twitch. So streaming I'm sure is seen as a positive thing for your channel. Yeah. That's exactly why watch time is as valued as it is on streams. I mean, watch time's always valued on YouTube, obviously, but like the algorithm is intentionally, I would argue skewed towards, pushing streams because they want to 
fight Twitch for market share. Right. So, yeah. Uh, the, the reason I had asked uh, beyond that is with a lot of uh, smaller creators and in, in my own case, I've noticed that when you stream to YouTube, it can sometimes split your audience mm-hmm. and it can uh, it can hurt. So for new tubers, I'm always when, when they say, oh, I'm streaming to YouTube, I'm always like, does it fit your channel? Yeah. Like, like, so when I would stream, um, somebody said to me that they liked my streams on YouTube more than they did on Twitch at first because they're the same content, but it was that very analytical, I give you fun trivia that I know about the game, in addition to me <laughs> memeing all over <laughs> and everything. Sorry to meme on your <laughs> face. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's it's interesting watching different channels uh and their their responses to like streaming and their audience responses to streaming on Twitch versus YouTube and, and yeah, all that. I, I see Twitch uh, as sort of the bonus. Um, it's not 100% of my focus, but it is sort of a thing. And if the Twitch grows, that's great. It is, like you said, a way to diversify and you know have more options. Because if Twitch continues to be the dominating streaming service, I mean, Amazon owns right. it. So And Amazon yeah. will soon be our glorious and fearless mm-hmm. leaders. Overlords. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes sense to, you know, jump on and don't I would say don't go to Twitch if you're just doing it be, uh, because you want, you know, the views or whatever. If if it's not your focus, don't. But if if streaming is a major focus for you in general, I would say you should be doing it on both platforms because Twitch is the premier sort of stream service. You should be on there if streaming is something that's important to you. For me, the reason I'm yeah. doing Twitch is because it is more casual. Because I will say 100, 100 to 150 uh, live viewers on YouTube might not seem like a lot, but <laughs> it is very difficult to keep up with a chat that has even just 100 people in it. Because, I mean, you're getting, you know, and it's funny, YouTube will track how many messages per minute you're getting as you're, as you're streaming. And it's very difficult to... You know, make sure the stream is running well. Make sure you're playing the game and also sort of focusing on the chat. It's very stressful, and it I'm exhausted after YouTube. Twitch, it's a yeah. little more, ah, it's, it's a kind of relaxing. It's fun. I have maybe 20 to 30 people. I get to, you know, I recognize people in the chat. It, it's nice. It's nice. I mean, eventually, ideally, I would want that to grow, and it will get out of hand one of these days if I continue with it, but that's where moderators come right. in and try to help and, yeah. and the whole uh, alerts and, you, and things like that. And you'll get used to coping with, you know, not reading the chat as much necessarily. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. Kind of I feel so crappy. I feel like a hot piece of garbage when I don't respond to somebody who asked me a question in the chat, and it's like it's already gone. I'm like, oh, I missed it. I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, as I... I it's that thing of I got to realize that sometimes a streaming chat is there to hang out with the chat, not necessarily yeah. get me to respond to everything. And I've gotten a little bit better with that thanks to Leo being on stream with me during Neverwinter because I'm sort of conversating with him and we're focused on the game. And then every once in a while we pop into the chat. And that's uh, it's going to take some time, but on YouTube I've been... Whew, I'm like intense in the chat. It, it's this is how bad it is. Here's the secret. Again, you're gonna ha- find out how another sausage <laughs> gets made. <laughs> it's a terrible <laughs> saying, but I love it. I now on YouTube, 
I don't watch the proper output of the game. So when I stream on YouTube, I am actually watching the OBS screen with the chat over the gameplay. So if you ever watch one of my streams, you'll notice sometimes I'll slide the chair to like check, like, what's my HP? Oh, okay, sorry, I couldn't see it. It was behind the chat, so that way I can <laughs> see it right in front of my face. So I'm seeing what you're seeing, and that's why I can point to things very specific in the chat. But, you know, it has caused me to uh, misselect items before because it was covered by the chat. Yeah. But that's why people are like, man, how do you... How do you interact with the chat so much while you're playing the game? It's like because it's in my face. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're, you're playing chat. Yeah, I'm not a little. The game. Whew, whew, yeah, I gotta. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I'm playing Project Octopath, so it's turn-based. <laughs> it makes it a little easier. But when I start playing some action yeah. stuff, whew, chat, you're gonna have to deal with that. Yeah, I um, with Octopath too, it's not that bad because I, I have a stream delay. So because like, I use my my Halpog, um. So there's a three, two, three second delay. Oh, right, right, right. And so there's like, well, now I'm actually also streaming Octopath. So Smart man. With, yeah, good game. So I've been trying to watch chat, and it's easier with that game, but it's like if I were playing like, I don't know, Call of Duty, I would never stream Call of Duty. But if I was, <laughs> I have like I would never be able yeah, to Yeah, I chat. played Burnout Paradise oh, no. for one of my YouTube streams. Oh, God. And- <laughs> oh my gosh! The, if anybody was don't text and drive. if anybody was paying attention to the gameplay, I accomplished nothing. I didn't start. I literally <laughs> just drove around and crashed on ramps for two hours because I could. I was so you know the chat. I was so focused on the chat that and I didn't. I didn't start any missions. I didn't do a single mission. Oh the God. entire two hours is literally just me driving around, pa- repainting my cars, uh, switching to the Ecto One in the DeLorean, and driving around. And at the very, very end, I played a multiplayer game, and then I closed it out. It was, <laughs> whew, That's rough. Yeah. Like I said, don't text yeah, and drive. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. That's awesome. But yeah, I think that's about where we should probably call it, because I think we're nearing oh, our two-hour mark like it, yeah. on the stream. Oof. So, uh, thank you so much for hanging out as long as you did. This oh, was yeah, no awesome. problem this at was... all. Seriously. This was one of the probably the most fun I think I've had on one of the YouTubers podcasts. Mission accomplished. Yeah, <laughs> this has been awesome. But um, yeah, if you want to, you know, plug yourself in any way, uh, all the links will be in the uh, show notes or in the description down if you're on YouTube or anything. So go ahead and plug away. All right, I guess the easiest way would be gamedave.com, which will take you straight to the YouTube channel, um, or <laughs> pretty much if you Google Game Dave, it will come up in some respect, but yeah, twitch.tv slash game Dave. So I'm game Dave there as well. And uh, facebook.com slash game Dave. It's pretty much game Dave everywhere except for, I believe Twitter, which is next game. Dave is my Twitter handle, but you can, I, I hang out on Twitter a lot. Uh, and of course, YouTube and Twitch are sort of my go-tos, but I hope you'll hang out a little bit. If you didn't get too annoyed by our two hour conversation, <laughs> Yeah, this is like I said. This has been really fun. Uh, thank you again for coming on, and for you that are all still hanging out and listening, all three of you, uh, thank you for listening. Let us know what you think down in the comments. If you have any questions, I will try and pass them on to Dave and see if I can get an answer to give back to you in the comments. Um, but yeah, with that, uh, take care.
Thanks for listening to the New Tubers Podcast. Come back every two weeks for more tips, tricks, and advice on starting, building, and sustaining your YouTube career. Visit us on reddit.com slash r slash newtubers or on YouTube. See you next time!